What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Roundtable Sports Podcast. My name is Taylor McLean, and I want to welcome you to the San Francisco 49ers 23-20 victory over the Los Angeles Rams. I was interested in this game for a number of different reasons, but I just really had to see how the Rams lost this game. And it was a tightly contested game. Absolutely. Last second field goal, all kinds of special teams, drama and mistakes down the stretch for the Rams. So it was definitely a game of drama. And, uh, you know, the records don't really reflect the closeness of these teams because of the way that the San Francisco 49ers have been affected by injury this year. Now, for the 49ers, there's been some talk about Jimmy G coming back. And they're not talking about this week necessarily. So, And while George Kittle has said he's going to come back in two weeks, that would be very optimistic on his part as well. But I would say that I'm still probably holding George Kittle just in case. You know, you never know. And the tight end scene is pretty crazy these days. So you never know when you might want to have that Kittle train just for the end. You know, it wasn't a typical San Francisco 49er win. Like I said before, it was very close. And the Rams just basically did everything to lose this game. But we'll get to them in a little bit. Let's first talk about Nick Mullins for the rest of the way. Because like I said, even if they bring Jimmy G back, it's probably going to be later on in the season. And you're probably not looking at Jimmy G as an option for your QB1s and the like there for 10 and 12 team leagues. But, you know, the situation can factor in, you know, should there be injuries down the stretch, like say McSorley is the quarterback for the Ravens for the rest of the way. You know, maybe you look at Nick Mullins as your quarterback too in a two-quarterback league. If there were deep benches and everybody's already taken, you need somebody with a pulse. Nick Mullins has a pulse, and he's going to throw the ball, and he's going to be the quarterback for the 49ers unless Jimmy G comes back, which, like I said, we're not counting on at this point. Now, it certainly caps the upside of the offense overall as far as their real life and fantasy value because Nick Mullins is a average backup quarterback to below average backup quarterback. He's not a starter in the NFL, no doubt about that. And I haven't been stoked that this is what the 49ers brought back as their backup, but you know what? He didn't look as bad today, and it goes to show you that you know weapons make a huge amount of difference in the NFL You know, getting Debo back today was a huge deal for them. Getting Mostert back helped. So we'll see how they kind of ferret out the touches. So, you know, if they get Kittle back, certainly that would be a big deal for Nick Mullins and the like. But I just don't see that being a situation I'm excited about. He makes too many errant throws, and he doesn't offer anything with his legs. And, you know, the way the offense is set up, really, it's supposed to be a bigger emphasis on the rushing attack anyway. But like I said, having weapons in the offense, having everybody healthy makes a huge difference, and it just hasn't been the case for the 49ers this year. Now, it was nice to see Debo Samuel back out there and healthy, and let me tell you, he definitely was running around like he was healthy. Nick Mullins was targeting him heavily. You could tell that they realized that Debo was the most explosive part of their offense, and you can chalk a lot of this win up to his presence because – Not only was he a big part of the game plan and and was getting targeted before the last drive, he caught three balls that put them in position to make that field goal to win the game. So I was really liking what I saw out of Debo, and he was one of the main reasons I watched this game was to see how confident would I be in him going down the stretch. And while he doesn't have the upside of some of the receivers that tend to get 
more catches and more targets. And at the same time, it looked like the one game sample size right here was get Debo the ball. So I want to see more of that. I want to see him be featured. And, you know, while it wasn't actually recorded as a carry, he did have a carry in this game, and they like to use him in that capacity as a creative part of the offense. So I got to think that Kyle Shanahan is going to try and scheme Debo open and try to get him into space going forward. So that is an exciting prospect for him, and I got to think he can build on this should he remain healthy. But certainly health has been an issue this year, so you want to bake that into kind of what you're thinking there. Debo, Debo would probably be like the perfect wide receiver three in a three wide receiver league that, you know, if you've didn't have three really already established options and you wanted to have a boomer bust type situation in your third wide receiver, I think that's where I'd be the most excited about Debo. I've got him in a bunch of best ball leagues, so I'm hoping he can really bring it home for me down the stretch and really help me cash out more than I'm already going to. So looking to Debo, you know, like I said, it's been kind of up and down and the 49ers, typically are a lower volume type situation as far as the passing goes. And certainly Nick Mullins puts a cap on that, but you know, like I said, I just think that he's so explosive and he, and they got to have him as a part of the passing game to kind of really open up the rest of it. And, and they get usually run him a bit too, which kind of increases his floor as far as getting touches. So like I said, I watched this game a lot just to see what that looked like. And it really was impressive. And while, like I said, it, he had three catches on the end. One of them was a big chunk play. And, and while that might not be as sustainable as some things, it did make me excited for his prospects going forward, especially when, like I said, I've got a little bit riding on him as well. Now, the other thing I wanted to see was how did the return of Raheem Mostert look? And he got the most carries, Absolutely. But I was a little concerned about two things. Number one, Jeff Wilson was running hard, and they seemed pretty committed to giving him a bunch of carries today. And I guess that could have been just easing Raheem in. But I'll tell you what, Josh Wilson does run really hard. And they both lost a fumble. So it's not like any either one of them really you know, blew the socks off of anybody. Raheem got the early touchdown on the first drive. But after that, they mixed in a lot of Jeff, and it just seemed like he kind of was the hot hand down the stretch, even though they still had Raheem in there. It's just, man, I didn't like the way that they had both of them going. And it just seems like for anyone to take advantage of the San Francisco rushing attack, there's going to have to be a whole bunch of injuries for anybody to truly take a hold. Now, like I said, I still think Raheem is probably going to be the lead back, but I just got to see more out of the carries. We've got one more week. Hopefully they work him in and kind of telegraph that they're going to give him more carries down the stretch. But it still makes me a little nervous as far as Raheem goes because of Jeff Wilson running so hard, and especially when they've been using him in the goal line historically. Didn't really play out that way today, but historically that's when they were using Jeff because he runs so hard. And like I said, I just I did like the way he looked out there. It's just, uh, man, I really want Raheem to kind of consolidate more than he did. And and then the second thing was that Jared McKinnon was also out there kind of sapping up a little bit of the value, you know, got three carries for 21 yards, and then he was kind of operating as the pass catching back in the two-minute drill and the like, which kind of took a little cream off the coffee for Raheem as well. So it wasn't the best situation, but it's also not the best matchup. Los Angeles does have a pretty good defense. As long as Aaron Donald's in there, you're going to field a pretty decent unit. So I'm trying not to evaluate that too hard, but at the same time, I just wasn't encouraged by the way that everything played out. So 
I want to see more of Raheem in week 13. So maybe I can trust him against Washington, Dallas, and Arizona. Because that's a pretty solid schedule for the 49ers down the stretch. Buffalo next week, Washington at Dallas, at Arizona. I can definitely get with that. Arizona's been good on defense, but they're not a world beater either. So I think the 49ers could be useful down the stretch. I just want to see a little bit more telegraphing as far as I want to be able to predict that Raheem Mostert is going to get the carries and is going to get the fantasy value in that backfield for I'm super excited about using him. We'll switch sides to the Los Angeles Rams. You know, I saw some good throws from Jared Goff today, but I think we all saw bad Jared today. And we saw what happens when too much is placed on his shoulders. And there was just so many errant throws today. It was just a very bad situation. And you know what? I got to give the credit to the 49ers defense. They were getting after him. They only sacked him twice, but, man, they were in his face. They hit him during one of the interceptions. One of them was just one of the worst throws I've ever seen. And there was a plenty of throws like that where I was just like, who were you throwing it to? Where was that supposed to go? And when he's called on to improvise, when it gets out of his first and second read, when it's not just a really on-time throw that he knows exactly what he's doing, it's just not a very confident situation. And then he's not really able to run the ball with much success. You know, he had five carries, but it was 11 yards. And that pretty much sums up what I think about his running ability. So I'm not very encouraged with the situation for the Rams. I give more credit to McVeigh in the system and Robert Woods and Cooper Cup than I do Jared Goff. You know, when he's able to make system throws, when they set him up to bootleg and then have a wide ass open throw, that's one thing. But when he's not doing that and when it's having to improvise and when, you know, people are in his face or whatever it is that it's not something that is just created for him, it's not a great scenario. So it kind of caps the upside of the whole offense. And while they're able to do a lot of things and when they, and when they're able to successfully run the ball, the offense flows, you know, if you take out Cam Akers big run today, they don't have, they're not doing a great, great deal on the ground. We're talking about 27 carries for 65 yards. So it wasn't a great day for the offense overall, no doubt, but, it felt like it was a lot of Jared Goff's faults and the 49ers defense playing a good game more than anything else if I was going to put the loss on one thing. And that's why you really can't rely on Jared Goff as a quarterback one. Uh, I certainly like having him as like the third quarterback in your best ball leagues because there are going to be days where the offense explodes when the defense doesn't have the facilities to stop what they do. But when someone's able to call out bad Jared whenever they do the dance or whatever it is, and mainly it's just getting in his face and getting him off schedule. And when that happens, you have days like this. And when he doesn't have the rushing floor that other quarterbacks have, it just doesn't make it a tenable situation for me. And Because like I said, they're committed to running the ball. They're committed to being balanced. So even still, there's not the volume that I would want to see either. So while there's going to be days that he explodes just like any other quarterback, 
because of the talent of the offense, because of the talent of McVay, it's just not a situation that I'm interested in. And uh, this might have been a cross-offs game for me and Jared Goff going forward as far as his fantasy value for me and me having him in anything outside of a situation where I don't have to rely on starting him because best ball is an optimal lineup situation. So maybe if he blows up on a certain day, yeah, I'm into that as a third quarterback that you're taking in the later rounds because you've been taking running backs and wide receivers up until that point. But outside of that, it certainly hurts the value of the pass catchers as well. Now, Robert Woods still got his. He was heavily targeted in this game and still managed to have a decent day for PPR leagues at least. You know, it's not a killer either outside of that, but still just kind of goes to show you that with Jared Goff back there, with the volume of this passing game, it can be a kind of a volatile situation as far as these option goes. And the same goes for Cooper Cup. I mean, Cooper's talented. I think he's still a little banged up, and he was held without a catch in the first half. But I still like the way he looks, and you have Josh Reynolds out there too. I like these receivers. I like Gerald Everett. I like Tyrell Higby. He looks a little banged up, but still, I like the weapons on this team. So it's just a question of Jared Goff being able to deliver the ball and being able to drop back and pass. And in obvious passing situations, he struggles. And when they're not able to put him in play action, when they're not able to bootleg him, he struggles. So it's going to lead to some days like this for the Rams options until something changes. And I'm not sure at this point what is going to change. Certainly players have grown, but I kind of feel like he is who he is at this point. So that'll be a question of what the Rams do going forward. They kind of are locked into him for a good amount of time. And like I said, when everything's on time and everything's going great and they're running the ball and everything's happening, he's fine. But outside of that, he struggles. And like I said, it affects Cooper Cup. It affects Robert Woods. It's not something I'm excited about leaning on down the stretch, but it is what it is. If they've gotten you to this point or you've had injuries where you have to rely on them to that extent, then you're probably not going to be able to walk away from that situation at this point. So it is what it is, but at the same time, I just had higher hopes for this offense. And you know what, you know what partially it is, is that they are running the ball better overall this season. So that's part of it is, you know, they don't have to rely on the passing game like they did last year. So there's not the volume, you know, they're not having to throw the ball 40 or 50 times like they usually would. And this game was close. So they didn't have to really blow the passing volumes out, even though they lost the game. Now, the Rams have Arizona, New England, New York Jets, and Seattle. That's definitely not the worst schedule I've ever seen, especially when you're able to target the Jets in Week 15. And then Seattle hasn't been a world beater on defense, although, you know, they have their moments. I just don't like the way that the offense has kind of been sputtering up and down and that Sean McVay really has no regard for the fantasy game. Not that any of the coaches do really. But at the same time, they're just not featuring anyone that gives me an idea of who's going to blow up on a given day. And it doesn't give me a lot of confidence in any of them. I will say that Cam Akers did look good today, and it was nice to see him hit some open field and really run with it. You can tell that he definitely is the fastest of the three backs. But it goes to show you that they're all three kind of unpredictable at this point because I mean, Malcolm Brown had three carries for four yards. So if you had him as a flex or you had Daryl Henderson, who still had the most carries, 10 for 19. And when they're not really involved in the passing game much, it's just a terrible situation as far as trying to predict 
who's going to be the guy that blows up in the Los Angeles Rams rushing attack. But I'll tell you, they kind of hot-handed Cam Akers down the stretch, especially after that big run, and he did look explosive. It was cool to kind of get a look at him in the open field and see what they saw to draft him because they gave away a lot of their first-round pick for Jalen Ramsey. So that was a big pick for them to go there. And it just hasn't worked out to this point. And I don't know that with Daryl Henderson and Malcolm Brown healthy, I don't know that anybody's going to dominate the carries enough for me to be really, really excited about it. But I can tell you probably that Cam Akers is probably the best one at this time, even though I still think Daryl has talent. Just they weren't able to establish it much on San Francisco today. But they don't play San Francisco again in this playoff, so we're going to be fine with that. And like I said, a soft matchup with the Jets. Arizona, New England before that. We'll see how it all works out for him, but I'm just not super stoked about the way they've kind of been spreading things out. And then with Jared Goff's up and down play, that kind of gives me some pause as well. Well, that's what I've got for this game. Like, listen, subscribe. And of course, if you haven't done so already, download the podcast. Let me know you're there listening. Let the sponsors know you're there listening for future sponsors. And I need to get, and I want to get higher in those search engines so everybody finds out that I'm reviewing these games. I'm going to tell you what to do with the players I see. If I watch the game like this and break it down, I'm telling you, I know what's going to happen. Not 100% of the time, but a good percent. So use the information. Go out and win your leagues. We only got a couple more weeks left to do this. So let me know what I can do for you and have a great rest of your day.